Hi everyone, this is Josh from the Solopreneur Grind podcast for episode 105. I'm here with Simon Severino from strategysprints.com. Simon, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey Josh, thanks for having me. Awesome, Simon. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you're working on? And then of course, as, as usual, I want to do a deep dive onto your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, so I've been doing one thing for 20 years. And that is um, helping people have better go-to-market strategies and execution. So how to crush market entry, market dominance, market expansion, all this fun stuff. And it has changed so much over the last 20 years that, of course, the way I do it changes every year, evolves, transforms, became more digital, more fluid, more agile. But it's the same thing. What is the right thing to do and what is the the best price and what is the best entry strategy and what are the best tactics for client onboarding, client delivery, client retainment. That's what we do as coaches, helping business owners navigate the sales part, which for for many people is, is super tough and even irritating. Uh, and so uh, they, they some of them would like to outsource it or avoid it. And so we help them have fun with it because sales is actually um, relationship enhancement is like what we are doing. It's a cool conversation that if you do it right, elevates the moment, elevates the relationship, creates energy and inspiration. That's what I do. Right. And it's it's very, not very odd, but it's, it's I'd say, more rare that you someone comes on the show and says, hey, I've been doing this one thing for 20 years. What, what do you think it is about that? that's kept you so into it for so long? Great question. And the first time that somebody asked me this question, actually. Yeah. So, I yeah, I, I love the question because I am, like most entrepreneurs, an utterly unemployable renaissance <laughs> man, a, a polymath, uh, jacks of all trades, because that's who we are, right? We are such forces of nature we create something out of nothing and we love the kick that we get from that. So we want to kick off the next thing. That's our nature. At the same time, if you let your nature rule over your entrepreneurial focus, you, you will never win a game. Right. And if you win a game, you will not stay in the game long enough to keep winning. So, my nature is dynamic, creative, bored to death after three seconds of doing one thing. Uh, that's my nature. But as a business owner, I know that we will stick to one target group and one topic for the next 250 years because that's important to fall in love with the problem and with the target group. And, and the problem, you know, that's the topic. My topic is go to market because Every business owner, guess what? Every business owner will have a go-to-market topic over the next 250 years. So I fall in love with that topic, but right. I do not fall in love with the solutions. Solutions will change. And I learned from Peter Drucker, who was a Viennese uh, person, and I'm in Vienna. And Peter Drucker was teaching, he's the same thing. And when he was researching what is management, because that's, that's his life's work, defining what is management, 
as a profession, as a craft for the first time in history. And he said, I'm bored with this topic. So I will stick to the topic no matter what, because that's my life's mission. But my hobbies, I will change every three years. Hmm. So he was playing guitar three years, not four. Then he changed to learning Spanish. Then he changed. And he said, you need one thing that where you, you want to crush it, that's what you never change. And then mm. your hobbies, that's where you take your energy from and your inspiration from, changed it all the time. Interesting. Why, why the, did he explain why the period was three years? Is it like enough to learn it, but not too much to get bored with it? Exactly that. Yeah. Enough to know what is, uh, what, what's roughly in it, but not enough to become an expert. As soon as you are an expert, of course, that's a complete different energy. Like the beginner mm -hmm. energy, that's what you want to have. Right. In your hobbies. Uh, but the pro um, deep dive is what you want to have if you want to be the number one in, in something. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I, I actually have some Drucker behind me here on, on the bookshelf for those that are watching uh, on YouTube. The other thing, Simon, that struck me while you were giving that explanation is what's cool about what you do go to market is because you're not just you know building one product you're helping all these companies with go to market you actually are getting all these new experiences right because I'm, I'm assuming each one's a little bit different and you bring on a new client and you do kind of get that like new energy and and, and the new experience so it kind of keeps it fresh but at the end of the day like you said you still have the one focus how did you get into this, Simon? Like, what happened 20 years ago, or maybe it was a little bit before 20 years ago that led to the evolution? 20 years ago, I was a junior consultant, then consultant, senior consultant, etc., principal uh, in in a consultancy. And so, in a global consultancy, I was I would fly to New York, do market entry strategy for Boeing Ingelheim, and then in the same week fly to Paris and do a reorganization for the Airbus executive team. Hmm. And then and then next week, fly to Shanghai and, uh, and reorganize an automotive supply chain. So that's how you learn the craft. And then I, I did my own thing because at some point I, I learned the craft. And I think this is really important. But then, but then it becomes more and more your responsibility to bring into the world what your uniqueness is because nobody else can do it. So it's your job to do it. And so I, since I am also utterly unemployable, it was clear I have to create my own, my own thing. And so I became a freelancer doing consultancy. And then over the years, um, I was still with the big companies because that's where I was coming from, That that's what, what I was good at. But then my heart, of course, went more and more to the small solopreneurs and to the small businesses because I was now a small business. And so I had completely different problems to solve than they had. And so from, from year to year, I have taken on more small businesses and have taken on less um, corporations as a client. And, um, and I've grown with them and I've learned with them. And every year I would learn something and they would they would get the benefits and the templates and literally the, the spreadsheets that I was creating to solve my own problems, I would pass over to them. This is how we created 274 templates that are now the Sprint University. And um, for example, the, the people that are working 
now with us are solopreneurs and they and they are, are exactly where I was three years ago. Uh, you're doing half a million, maybe through, maybe 300,000, maybe 500,000, maybe 800,000 in revenue, but you hate your life. And your wife goes, come on, you wanted freedom, you did your own thing, and now you're working even more. What's, come on, your friends miss you, uh, you look pale, what's going on? Get, get your life back. And so in that stage, uh, I had to learn that it's it's time to shift from being the star to being the galaxy or from being the dancer to being the dance floor. And uh, and so I, I moved and I, I, I hired a business coach uh, for half a year. And the goal was get Simon two layers above fulfillment. And it was even it, it was it was even easier than I thought. I was so excited for six months. My wife and I we were talking about this. Oh, I'm, you cannot book me as a coach anymore soon. And my wife was, "What? How are you <laughs> going to make money?" And I was like, "I don't know, but the coach said it, so we're working towards it." Uh, <laughs> and we were super excited. And then that week comes, and somebody says, "All right, I need a ninety day sprint. Let's do it." Okay, here is your coach. And they go, "What? It's not you." I say, no, 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 it's, it's Rudy. Rudy was the head of sales of Coca-Cola. He's much better than me for your topic. Okay, Simon. And so I was like, was it that easy? <laughs> and so from there, I created a whole franchise system where I'm teaching now the, the sprint method, 274 tactics, three strategies, one bottleneck after the other in sprints. And so I teach this thing, they crush it, they build their own empires, they build their own softwares, their own consultancies in their country also. So they're having fun. The clients are having the best coach that they can get, not just the one who sits around, but really the one who is the best for them. And, um, you know, if they are a, a SaaS company, they get somebody who scaled Uber Eats. Uh, and if they, are, if they have a sales problem, they get the best sales people from, from Google. And, um, and then, uh, now I'm just orchestrating something wonderful. I call them the, the Avengers team. And now I'm learning now these new skills, hiring, um, culture, management, all that stuff. The, the Drucker stuff, right? Uh, yes. I, I have a bunch of questions, Simon. That's, that's a really, really great answer and an interesting story. I want to go back a little bit more at the beginning. Uh, so I, I want to ask a little bit about consulting because there's a lot of people that are kind of interested in it as a profession before you kind of went out on your own and also maybe some consultants right now that are thinking of pivoting to starting on their own. Can you talk about maybe like the last one or two years where you were working as a consultant for, you know, an, another company? And then how did you make that transition? Was it, did you flip the switch? Did you quit randomly with no clients? You know, did you kind of like plan it out and maybe start evenings and weekends? I'm always interested to hear about the transition from employee. It sounds like you were a good enough employee, right? You, it sound, you got a bunch of promotions. And anyways, want to hear about that transition period. Like most of the things, I did it with a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I have to solve, I start a spreadsheet. I'm a simple guy. And so the transition spreadsheet was, uh, how much money do I need on the side to de-risk this? And I said, I want to have six months on the side. 
so what's my spending now? I had no kids, so my spending was not really high. Mm -hmm. And so I put in that number and multiplied by six. And I said, all right, let's start a, an account. And uh, when the savings account is at this number, I pull the trigger. Second, so that was one de-risking element. The other de-risking element was, what can I start to, to show my, my voice, my soul, so that, because you know, if you say I am an expert in something, that means that you have to take publicly position in that area and you have to defend that position and you have to start teaching that why you know more about it. So I started with my first blog and podcast just to go out there every week and I, I disciplined myself because, you know, everybody can do it. If you're an employee, you can start your own blog. And so I started that about that topic. And every week I would I would dare to be vulnerable, to to take a stance and to say, I stand for this and I think this is the right thing to do it. And now I will explain why. And and I will show you also the opposite and what happens. And these are the numbers and these are the cases. And, and in your and case, so I was would start this, being a teacher. Was yeah. was this like, you know, more personal topics, or was this like business strategy topics? At the beginning, you have no idea what you are thinking. So right. I was just okay. Let's write it down so that I see what I'm even thinking. Right. Because and this I got from from uh, another systemic guru, uh, Heinz Heinz von Förster, who says. How do I know what I think if I don't see what I wrote? Hmm. So basically, I just know what I'm thinking after I've written it down. So I've started writing down every week. Some, some weeks it was something personal. Some weeks it was something very professional. Some weeks it was a mix. And this is how you find out week by week what you really stand for and what your angle is in that context. Mm -hmm. So that blog still exists, and this week it's it's a daily thing. And right now I'm talking about crypto assets because okay. it's the hottest thing to do. It can make you rich uh, in in 30 days. And so what else would I write about than these 10x and 100x possibilities right now, right here? So it changes over time, but it's really important for everybody that you have a, a vehicle. It can be just your your a journal where you write it down, or it can be Facebook posts, or ideally it's a blog, a proper blog that somebody can subscribe. Because it will help you clarify your thinking, but also finding the others. Because there are people out there, and maybe it's just a hundred people, but that's enough, mm -hmm. who are asking exactly these questions and they want answers. So put it out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great way to just take that very first step. So what happened when you hit that? Well, let me ask you this. When you hit that savings number, did you follow up and, and pull the trigger right away? And then maybe what were the first kind of six to 12 months like on your own? I, I pulled the trigger a little bit earlier oh, because wow. that's typical for me. I plan very conservatively. I sandbag everything uh, so that then I can follow just my hunches. And so I followed just my hunch. In one week, I felt like, okay, it's time, let's go, boom. Mm -hmm. Half an hour later, my boss had this letter 
and and he was like, "What's going on, Simon? You are in you are in the in the in the triple A projects." And and I go, "Yeah, not anymore." Hmm. And so <laughs> I gave him time, of course, uh, to to um, uh, you know to package up the and and to to train other people. And I did train the people who would do my projects, but I was very clear, and I said, "In eight months, I'm out." Mm-hmm. And three months is the time that you need to to tell legally. So I, I added five months to that, but I was very clear and I said, in in eight months I'm out. In eight months and three hours I'm out. And uh, yeah, and then I was on my own. So how did it go? How how what was your approach and? What do you think you did? Maybe like what were two or three things that you did early on or that you learned early on that helped you grow your first business? What name do you pick for your business? Oh, my goodness. How do you pick the name? And do I need a logo? Do I need a website? What's really important? And so the name I have learned, pick something that is not your name plus something. Because at some point you you will want to scale it, you will you will want to maybe to sell it, and so you have always to run a business in a sellable way, even if you don't plan to exit, but always run it in a sellable way. So I'm happy that I picked Strategy Sprints and not the Simon Company, mm-hmm. <laughs> because otherwise uh, now nobody would want to be part of this franchise. So. Now, 15 years later, it's a global franchise. People come for the sprint method, not for Simon. And so it, it's it's good that I picked the name 15 years ago that was the right name. The other thing that I've learned is at the beginning, nothing matters except having three people who have a problem that want it solved from you. Hmm. You don't need a website. You don't need anything. The next thing that you need is a CRM system. Something where you track on your phone, uh, how many conversations did I have today? Uh, what's my follow-up and when? And remind me. And then the third and last piece was then having a website. And that's it. And then starting, really starting and um, be creating one fan every day. Serve the moment right now, solve their problems so that you have one fan. and so. If you if you do that every day, you can create 300 fans per year. Mm-hmm. You don't need more than that. Right. Yeah. No, that's uh, I like how you're just kind of breaking it down and, and keeping it simple. Right. There's so many videos and blog posts and guides and whatever all over the place with, you know, 10 steps to this and 30 steps to that. And sometimes these things uh, should actually just be simplified and, and, and just extreme focus on, on those few things. So Simon, you start growing the business and then what ha- like what happened at that inflection point when you were, you know, you were making your six figures, um, you were working too much. Can you talk us a little bit of, talk to us a little bit about those six months? And again, maybe if you can like summarize in a couple tips for people who are in that position, they're looking to you know, get rid of their own, you know, the, the, the job that they've created for themselves and turn it more into a business. It's really important that you start adding to your founder um, mindset that you start adding an owner mindset because you're now the business operator. Okay, fine. That's how you start things. 
But at some point, you need to realize that you are also the business owner. And as the business owner, you have a very different perspective. And you have to make that clear. So I started by having myself a business coach. And this was really important because the shift is, is not, it's not that easy. And so the mindset shift. When you've done that, the operations are easy. But for this, I really was, was happy to have a good business coach doing this with me every week, challenging me. So I realized, okay, I'm also the business owner. And what would I do if I just was the owner of this? Then I would say it's not scalable enough. I would say it's not sellable enough. This is still Simon and Friends. <laughs> Come on, that's not a company. So what, what would a company look like? Company would look like, well, this is a brand that is absolutely clear what it stands for. People chip in because they want to identify with this brand. So now you see it's a community, right? And then it must be more decentral. It must be something like Bitcoin, where people chip in from everywhere in the world and say, I, I want to improve this. I want to run a note. Like, that's what people do. I want to run a note here at home. So how do you build... And, uh, and Bitcoin is actually a very good example because it's just the PDF, the initial Bitcoin white paper is something that every entrepreneur should study. And you just need to study the first page. It's out there, Bitcoin white paper, Google it, you get it. First page, first half page has everything that you need to understand because later on it's just how to apply it. But the first half page says, there is a problem in the world. The problem is double spending. We have a proposal and um, this is the proposal. That's it. That's the governance piece that is changing the world. Hmm. So it's the new internet. Like it's eating everything. It's the continuation of software is eating everything. Bitcoin is eating everything. And it will, because you know, everything will be on the blockchain uh, moving forward like before you had TVs and now if somebody wants to watch TV, you have to put it on YouTube. Why? Because YouTube is on an internet protocol and that's the only place where the action is. So if you are CBS, you want some people to see your episode, you better put it on YouTube because this is where people watch TV because everything that can be on their internet will be on the internet. And the next internet is the blockchain. So back to that, the governance, you have to think about the governance. And this is in the strategy world, it's your business model. Is my business model decentral enough, open enough that other people identify with it, jump in and say, I want to build this. I want to be part of this. Hmm. So that's the owner. And then the next thing is, are the operations the sales operations, the marketing operations, the delivery operations written down in a handbook so that you can pass over the handbook and you, you could change theoretically the whole team and put in five new people, but they have this handbook and with that they can, they can continue. Then now you have a resilient system, something that is sellable, something that is not a key person risk, not dependent on the single individuals. Now you have a business. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is Bitcoin a good buy right now? What do you think? 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this week, I just I just made videos on what to buy this week, and oh, yeah. I, I, I guess it's better not to say it because this might air later. But a uh, couple it, weeks, <laughs> two two to three weeks. Everything changes in three weeks. Yeah. But I can tell you what I bought today. I bought Phantom, I bought Solana, and I bought Bitcoin. Okay. So uh, it might change in two weeks, but definitely one. And this is also from the owner's perspective. You want to have self-healing and self-repairing mechanisms. Now, what are those in the year 2021 and 2022? They are three systems, revenue systems, saving systems, investment systems. Revenue systems means you have multiple income streams. Some of them are subscription. Some of them are paid upfront. Some of them are commission-based. Some of them are affiliate partner commission-based, you want to have multiple income streams so that you have a reliable cash flow, ideally subscription and prepaid. So you have on the one side, you have something reliable coming in. Now, parts of this you want to save. So you want to improve your net profit margin. I work with a ton of professional services. I see every day 15% gross margin. 10% operating margin. And um, you, that's bad management. You don't need to have such low margins. We ourselves have 83% um, operating margin, 83%. And so you can do it smarter, more decentralized, more lean, more agile. And this is what we teach. So that's your saving system. And because you say Bitcoin, Right now, your saving system should be really in Bitcoin because gold is not going anywhere. Silver is not going anywhere. You have no other chance. Cash right now is devaluating at a high rate. You have both inflation plus depreciation. So um, cash is trash. That's a Ray Dalio um, quote, and it's correct. Mm -hmm. So don't hold more cash than you need. I would say hold the cash that you need to spend over the next three weeks, basically what you would have in your wallet with you when you go out. And and that's, I don't know, how much is it? 800 bucks? Have that in cash. The Your savings account should really be Bitcoin. And your investment assets should be a mix of real estate, stocks, and crypto. Don't touch bonds anymore. Uh, or ETFs, you're just buying a bunch of losers. Uh, stay with the with some good stocks. For example, my top three stocks: Google, Amazon, Tesla. Uh, my top three cryptos: Bitcoin, Solana, Phantom, of course, Ethereum. Um, with with such a basket, and maybe twenty percent of it having it in real estate. With that, you have a nice basket of things. And if you have these three things, a revenue system, a saving system, an investment system, you can have a bad month. You can have a, a, a black swan event, a, a new lockdown, a supply chain that is interrupted, all this fun stuff that we're having that is absolutely uh, unpredictable. But it, it doesn't touch our business because one or two of these three systems are always on. Right. So in one month, you can have a week moment in one of the three but you have you have still self-healing properties and we we need self-healing properties and self-healing mechanisms in our businesses because it's turbulent times 
Right. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great stuff. Simon, I want to spend the last few minutes talking about what you've been doing for for 20 years. Let's let's talk go to market strategies. Uh, I realize you, you asked me which you know t- type of business we want to focus on when we talk you know about this kind of stuff. I'm going to selfishly change my answer and say let's talk software, let's talk SaaS because it's top of mind for me right now. So let's say you're you got a new client, they're a you know tech company, maybe they're based in Canada for my sake. They're creating a new piece of software it never existed before. And, you know, they're serving it to a market that's, you know, never seen it before in terms of like a tech solution. How do you recommend that the company kind of starts creating a go-to-market strategy? And secondly, and this is a selfish question because it's very top of mind for me right now. How do you figure out pricing, especially for something that, you know, there's no like direct comparison to it? Great questions. A lot to unpack. Yeah. So I would say three strategies, three habits, and then one specific tactic for pricing because there is a tactic to find the good SaaS pricing. So let's start with the three strategies. The three strategies, because no tactics without a proper strategy first. A fool with a tool is still a fool. First strategy. So the three strategies that I use are whatever happens, I always only accept three things. Does it increase the frequency of my sales by 25%? Does it increase the conversion rate of my sales by 25%? Does it increase my price by 25%? If it ticks one of these boxes, I do it. If it doesn't tick one of these boxes, I don't do it. Example, friend of mine, hey, Simon, we're having this amazing conference on this new platform. And we have 2,000 people in there. And I go, okay, does it increase my frequency? No. Does it increase my price? No. Does it increase my conversion? No. Okay. Thank you. I'm out. Even if it sounds funny, but I don't. No. Hmm. Uh, we have to keep focused. It's easy to get distracted. Don't get distracted. Stay with the things that move your business really forward. So these are the three strategies. Now. In those three strategies, there is one thing uh, that can help you find out the price. Eight things, eight positioning exercises that we do with all our clients are the things that you need in order to raise your price. And it's eight very specific things and we have the templates and the swipe copies. For SaaS, there is one specific thing that you can do to find out max price. And so I learned this from the Y Combinator, where uh, we were part of their startup school. And um, and they said, um, we had monthly meetings and we had to report each other. And they said, guys, this is how you find your max price in early stage, uh, when you are still exploring. You raise the price by 5% for every new user until you hit 40% rejection. Hmm. This is where you have your early stage price sweet spot in software. Now, that will be the right price for a while. And later on, you have to do the eight positioning steps and increase it by 20% again. But early stage, new user, increase by 5% until you hit 
40% rejection, you have found your sweet spot. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, good to know. Simon, are there maybe like a couple big mistakes that you see a lot of founders or entrepreneurs or even employees at maybe bigger companies? Maybe like one or two or three common mistakes or, or pieces of advice you find yourself giving to folks early on with regards to um, go-to-market strategies? Oh, there are so many things that people get wrong. <laughs> That's why, uh, and it's easy to get things wrong and I'm getting them wrong all the time. And that's why, and you know, it's important to learn quickly and to have, again, self-healing mechanisms. So I will share with you my self-healing mechanisms. How, how do I manage to stay um, on the right track? I have three habits, a daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. The daily habit, I write down, <laughs> and I can, I can even show you here, it's on my iPad. I write down the flow of tomorrow's day. I have six o'clock, I go running, seven, etc. And then there are two reflective questions here. So at the end of my day, before I plan the next day, I ask myself two questions. One is, which of today's activities could be done by somebody else even better than me? Hmm. Really important to ask yourself this every day because this is how you create your SOP manual. Remember the SOP manual that is important? How do you know what to systemize next if you don't do this every day? Right. You will you will identify every day what takes energy from you and what gives you energy. And you will identify where you are doing low leverage tasks and where you are doing high leverage tasks. And this is the prerequisite to start writing down your systems because which system should you write down next? What should you automate next? What should you outsource next? This is where the info comes from. That's the daily habit. And people can download this on our page, uh, strategysprints.com. They can download the tools for free. This is one of the tools. It's called the daily flow. The second habit, the weekly habit is get your marketing numbers, sales numbers, and operations numbers reported every seven days. In the example of a SaaS business, marketing numbers. How many people were on our website today? Number of unique visitors this week. Um, and um, and watch time this week, average. So how long, how long watch time if it was YouTube or you know the the average stay uh, on your on your site duration? I think it's called duration. Right? Mm -hmm. Then sales numbers of a sales business. How many trials were started this week? How many trials converted into a subscription this week? operations um, and MRR, of course, right? Sales KPI, MRR. And then the uh, example of an operations KPI, NPS, Net Promoter Score. How happy are people from one from minus 100 to plus 100 uh, with what we do? And uh, how many people refer us? Number of referrals per week that we got, client referrals. And an operation number is also the number of churn. How many people did we lose from this cohort this week? Because it's really a huge difference if you, if you have 1.5% churn this week and next week it's 1.8%. You want to watch that right. because that will quickly become 2.7%. And then you are in a bad spiral that it's really hard to get back on track. 
So you want to you wanna watch this in this week and start talking to clients. Hi. Uh, yeah, you just uh, canceled your subscription. Um, we like to learn from this. Uh, can we have 10 minutes conversation? We need to learn from this. So, and you want to catch that quickly. That's why the weekly habit is get all these numbers every seven days. Because if you catch it too late after one month, after one quarter, guess what? You have no time to improve it. It's over. If you lose your cohorts as a SaaS business, you lose your business. That's, that's, that's the heart of your business. So that's, that's why you need to track it every seven days right. in real time, ideally. And then the monthly habit. Monthly habit. Are we doing in the right direction at the right price at the right time and uh, in the right places where our clients really meet? Not where we want them to meet, TikTok, but where they really meet. <laughs> oh, boring LinkedIn. Yeah, that's what they, that's where they meet. Then you have to be where they meet, right? Yeah. Sure, it's boring, but if they meet there, you have to go there. So this is the daily habit, weekly habit, and monthly habit. And the monthly habit has also a competitive analysis moment where we do half an hour checking the ads of our competitors, checking the new offers of our competitors, and seeing um, is there something that we can learn there? Is there something that we need to change there? Um, are we still unique enough? Do we, do we need to differentiate more, differentiate again? Are we getting similar? Because the last thing you want to be is comparable to your competitors. You want to be mm -hmm. unique. Right. That's great stuff, Simon. This, is, uh, this has been really great. I want to ask, Simon, one more question that I asked to pretty much all my guests is if, if we have some listeners out there right now, they're working a nine to five, they're not that happy, they know there might be, you know, they're meant for something more, they've got that entrepreneurial itch. What are one or two pieces of advice that, that you'd give to them or, or two, you know, one or two action items that you recommend that they take? Quit immediately. <laughs> that goes against what you said earlier, the six month expense planning. Well, Quit immediately means start a spreadsheet or whatever spreadsheet means for you. It might be, you know, a journal or something. Start a plan. Start it now. Go. Go for it. And so, of course, the de-risking um, tactic is, of course, what you need. Okay, how much money do you have on the side? What's your runway? Uh, how much runway do you need? How many, how many kids do you have? What exactly are your expenditures per month? What do you, what do you expect in terms of expenses? coming up, uh, extra expenses, um, doing that work, of course, that's, that's the, you know, the execution of it. But it starts with you saying, okay, I'm ready. I am ready to rise to the moment. Hmm. And, you know, right now I would say to everybody, quit your job. Um, because even if under, I, I would not have said that five years ago or 10 years ago. But right now, if you think what is what is safe and what is at risk, I think the safest thing is you are a professional and you you dictate the projects that you take, the price that you get, and the area you work in. That's the safest thing. It's safer than being an employee in a in a corporation. Because first, most corporations are getting substituted. So there will not be around in five years. 
Second, they take decisions without asking you. That's high risk. And also they might not afford you anymore soon. That's also high risk. So even if you stay in such a job, you have to think of what's your plan if you have to go freelance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. Most people think, you know, as you kind of alluded to, the safest thing is to have a salary. But what doesn't often get talked about is if you get fired, you know, 100% of your income is, is gone and it's not a decision that, that you, get, you get to make. So uh, anyways, yeah. totally agree this, on The on only that safe thing is to have three systems. Revenue system that you set up, that only you can change. A saving system that you can really rely upon that not that cannot be stopped by somebody else and an investment system which right now includes of course the crypto world because uh, that's the thing that is 10x and so these three things that's safe awesome simon this has been really great really interesting to hear your story get your advice get your strategies uh, if people are more interested in connecting with you or learning about you or your company, where do you recommend that they go? We hang out at strategiesprints.com and I go daily on YouTube and the YouTube channel is called Simon Severino. Awesome. Simon, thanks again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun. Keep rolling. Awesome.